What's up, guys, people? It's your host, Jay Will, from Inspire Guys People, the podcast where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. And today, I want to come to you and share some thoughts and some perspective around everything that's going on in the world today. Now, before we get into everything, I want to read you the statement that I posted on social media. The reason that I'm kind of starting off by reading something versus just going right into sharing my thoughts and my opinion is because, you know, I sat down and thought about what I wrote before I wrote it. And sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with something that's kind of uh, super serious or uh, issue that brings out all these emotions or whatever it may be, it's kind of hard to gather your thoughts when you're just talking off the top of your head. So I want to set the tone of, a con- of the conversation with something that I was actually able to, you know, write out. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I'll start there, and then we'll get into some of my thoughts and, um, you know, some other things that I want to kind of cover. And just kick it with y'all, because I think it's important. You know, I really wanted to come and, you know, on an on a off-schedule, um, random kind of episode, and, and really spend some time kicking it with, you know, my audience here, God's people, about the things that we're all experiencing. And I know that, you know, even from what I've seen on social media, you know, a lot of people value what I think and what I, what I say. And I, I, I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? This platform on Inspire Guys People values what I say and think more than anywhere, to be honest. And so, you know, I have some influence on social media and things. That's cool. But there's also a lot of people on social media that don't like me. And you get all this weird, these weird vibes from social media. But by and large, this podcast has been kind of a safe place, you know, for believers to kind of kick it and, and hear perspective. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't you know, overlook the opportunity to have a, an important conversation with y'all here. So here's the statement. First, let me publicly say that the racial injustice is hurtful and very much a real thing. To call it by its name, it's sin and exposes a deeper evil within those who express it. Secondly, I'm thankful that we have cameras to record these events because it brings the darkness to light then hopefully leads to holding the guilty accountable. On the other hand, I can't help but be concerned about the level of trauma we are exposing ourselves through by watching literal murders. Soldiers who are trained for war come back home suffering many mental and psychological challenges from their experiences. This is where the complexity, I can talk, really comes into play. Coupled with the fact that we are still in a pandemic and many have already suffered great loss, it's like a gumbo full of hurt, anger, anxiety, fear, and exhaustion. With all of that said, I believe it would be a huge mistake to eliminate Christ from the equation and replace him with our own emotions, no matter how justified they may be. I could quote scripture here, but that will probably make someone mad. I've literally watched as people engage every possible opinion shared by social media friends with opposition. Then turn around and say if someone is silent, that's a problem too. There's a difference between unity and groupthink. Whether you agree or disagree with me, I respect your freedom to choose. Remember, there's more than one way to be black.
Sincerely, Jermaine. Okay, now let me take a deep breath real quick. That was a mouthful, and hopefully, you know, I articulated um, well enough for you to clearly understand my intentions and, and what I was covering in that statement. Now, you know, before we move on, I want to share a couple scriptures, right? And, you know, for those who listen to this show, like, you kind of know, you know, how I, how I view sharing scripture and things like that. I don't believe in just pulling out scriptures randomly um, to fit current events or circumstances or situations because scriptures can be manipulated. But these are scriptures that I believe clearly speak something um, within the proper context. And, you know, I want to share them. And they're, they're also not necessarily scriptures that I haven't shared before, especially this first one. This is absolutely my very favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Um, when I first read this scripture some years ago, um, it connected with me on a level um, that just honestly, like I, I had never felt before um, at the time. And that's Ecclesiastes 1 and 18. In the New Living Translation, it says, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Now, I believe the King James says it, with much wisdom comes much grief. And, you know, it's a very tough thing, you know, for those out there who are called by God and God gives you wisdom or foresight or any level of uh, real vision towards the things that are happening every day. That can be a blessing. You know what I mean? Knowledge is a blessing. To know is a blessing. But to really know and to have wisdom comes with a lot of grief. And I don't think, you know, people think about this too often, but there are people who can see the things, the evil that's developing in this world, and it grieves them because, just being honest, not everyone always sees the evil for what it is. You know, it's kind of like when, uh, when the serpent came to Eve in the garden, she didn't see the serpent as evil. Like, we could sit back, you know, a, a few thousand years later and, and judge her decision. And, and you know, I, we, people, I've seen all type of jokes about Eve. Oh, I'm going to tell Eve when I get to the garden. But, but listen, how many times have we believed the serpent? See, to us, like, later, it's clear that it's a serpent. But to her... The serpent seemed harmless. And I, and I just want you to stop and think for a minute as we read through scriptures and really put yourself in that place. How many times have you been guilty of believing a serpent? Be real with yourself. And I think, you know, when I, the Bible is real, y'all. Like scripture is living, breathing, organism. Like it's, the spirit of God is real. And it's a blessing. But along with that wisdom that God gives, understand that people who are wise carry a certain level of grief because they know. And wisdom isn't mainstream. Wisdom isn't popular. Let's also not be foolish enough to think that everyone who is famous, everyone who has a large following, everyone who is popular 
it's just automatically wise. I don't think that's the case. Now, the next scripture I want to read, and it's the last one, and then we'll get into some of the opinions and things like that. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This also isn't a brand new scripture for me. It's not something that I'm just reaching in my back pocket and pulling out. Uh, for those of you who have ever listened to my music, you know, I believe the year was, uh, let's say some. I don't know if it was 2012 or 2014, actually. It might have been 2014 when I released a project entitled Sound Doctrine. And number two on that project is entitled No Reputation. And I really started off the song, like that song was rooted in 2 Timothy and then in Philippians. Those were the two books that really inspired that song. And I quote at least one or two of these scriptures that I'm going to read today in that song. And there's a reason that I'm pointing you back to my music. It's not so you necessarily can go listen to my music or something. But it's for anybody who, who has followed me, or if you're new and you haven't followed my journey, like the things that I'm going to say today, I've already said before. And I don't know if sometimes when you're talking and nothing crazy is going on, people don't believe you or they're not listening to you. But the things that I'm sharing today, like I've been using my voice. Like, I really believe the stuff I'm saying. I, I'm not just creating music to be trendy. So that's why I point you to my music so that you can really see. It's just another expression to say some of the same things in a different way that I'm saying now and that I've said on this podcast for almost two years now. But I, I want you to understand that this is the importance of consistency, you know, and a lot of times. People who are inconsistent um, or people can be inconsistent. And then like, let me, let me say this the right way. I've experienced this before where let's say finances, for instance, right? You know, I really started getting my credit together in 2012. That's when I got for real about credit, finances, saving. Like that's when, when finance, financial literacy became a thing for me. But I've literally had situations where I've been telling people for two years, hey, man, you need to get your credit right. Hey, girl, you know, this, this, you need to learn about this. And people ignore me, right? And then they read one book about financial literacy. And then they call me like, hey, man, you got to check this out. Like this stuff. And I'm like, bro, I know that you are just like, welcome to the club. I understand that you're excited because you are now getting your stuff together. But I, I, don't, I don't know another way to put it to you other than the fact that it's on record that I've been doing this for eight or nine years now. I'm not new. So you may seem to have more excitement or more enthusiasm than I do because you're on your first day of reading a book or learning about credit. But if a person has been in the trenches for nine years, 10 years, constantly, consistently saying something, then, you know, pardon me if I don't seem on the outside as enthused as you are because maybe this battle isn't as new to me as it is to you. So let's read 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. <laughs> Timothy. Anyway, I had to get a joke in there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 2. This is the New Living Translation. Paul talking to Timothy. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. 
Now, pause real quick. For those of you who like to read the King James Version and only really like some of us, we grew up in church. We can only quote scriptures based on the King James. This is the season. This is the, the season. This is the scripture that says be instant in season and out of season. Like preach the word when it's popular and when it's not. That's what we're talking about. Basically, be consistent. Verse three, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Verse four, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. Verse five, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Now, that's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Or, I'm sorry, 2 through 5. Let's go ahead and read 6, because 6 will give a little bit of perspective. Remember, this is Paul talking to Timothy. So understand the importance of the message he's given. For Paul, this is the end of his life. And it's not that the end of his life makes this important. It's the fact that it was important for him to pass on the mantle to someone else. And the, like he had already been training Tim Timothy, but now it was time to like really challenge Timothy to say like, look, it, it's now your time. Death is near. So Paul says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now, I didn't originally intend to read beyond verse 5, but hopefully those additional scriptures will bless you in some type of way and stand out and bring a little context of the importance of the message that Paul was giving Timothy and understanding that, like, look, there's coming a time where people, like, like what he's telling him is like, yo, people are going to want to hear what they want to hear. But it's important for you, right, as a follower of Christ, it's important for you not to get caught up in telling people what they want to hear, not get caught up in the myths that people will leave the truth and believe, but to preach in season and out of season. That means whether, whether, whether it's craziness going on in the world or whether it's not craziness going on in the world, you should be so consistent that I can pull your messages from two to three years ago, Timothy, and you saying the same thing then that you saying now. That outside circumstances, notice this is Paul at a time of his death and not even the timing of his death stops him or makes him inconsistent to the ministry that God has placed in him. Even as he's looking death in the eyes, he is consistent. His message does not change. He does not pivot away from the faith. He does not tell Timothy, well, since I'm about to die or since times is hard, look, preach in season. But when we out of season, wild out. Do whatever you want to do, bruh. Get excited. Get self-righteous in season. But when we out of season, no, uh, you know, it ain't important if it's out of season. No. Hopefully this part makes sense. Hopefully I'm doing it, you know, doing this justice by, by properly explaining this. And, you know, even my 
increased volume just represents passion. I'm not like mad or something if it comes off that way. But this is something I'm passionate about because I believe it. And I believed it before 2020. I believed it, <laughs> you know, before whatever the next crazy thing that happened was. Like, I believed it out of season. So now that we're in season, I still believe the same thing. I believed it on my good days. I believed it on my bad days. And so the only thing I'm trying to communicate with that and sharing this scripture is that we, we have to remain consistent as teachers of the word. Now, that may be specifically for the teachers of the word in the way that Paul was sharing it with Timothy. And so I'm fine with that. I'm fine with, with putting that level of responsibility on the teachers of the word because I've, I've sat back over the last few days and I've seen teachers of the word, some whom I respect share their opinion, but I've also seen circumstance alter the word. I've seen circumstances alter the consistency. Now I know again, as human beings, right? Paul says it here that for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, but look, they will follow what? Their own desires. And then it says this, they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I know that there are people out there right now who are only looking for people that are going to tell them what they've already determined they want to hear. But I'm... I'm just, I have to be held responsible for the word. Like, I have to, I can't just go around telling people what they want. I can't even tell myself what I want to hear. Do you really, like, like, I'm human. I'm flawed. One of the largest or biggest mistakes that we make in this world sometimes is that we follow ourselves. We, look, I don't know it all. I can't follow me. Look, I might wake up today, man, my feelings, feeling, right? I might feel something today and feel something different tomorrow. And, and if I fall, if I fall in a certain moment into, into following my feelings, I have to repent. Which is very possible. I'm very capable of following my feelings. I'm a very flawed human being. But even in the midst of me being flawed, I can't follow myself. I have to deny myself daily, pick up my cross and follow Christ. So, so I say that to say, you may be feeling the urge right now. You may have a strong feeling, right? You may have an urge and a desire to follow your feeling right now. But as a believer in Christ Jesus, I'm urging you not to become a worshiper of yourself. Not, not to follow you, but to ask yourself, am I following me or am I following Christ? And let's make sure, me included, right? Me inc starting with me, right? Sharing this message. I need to make sure that I'm following Christ and not following myself. I need to make sure that my agenda aligns with the agenda of Christ and not that of the world. Now, there are five quick points that I want to cover and then I'm going to be done. I'm actually ended with a song, <laughs> a song that I released um, a year uh, last year, this time last year. I think it was June last year. 
Um, the song is on my project entitled Inspire God's People. So anybody who wants to check out my music, it's just J Will Music. You can find me on Spotify and Apple Music. You can add me to your playlist, J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. All one word, J Will Music. So yeah, show me some love on that, and hopefully you'll see that. I've been consistent. You, My music, I became a solo artist in 2011. You go back to my first project and listen through the songs, and hopefully, hopefully there's growth, right? We all grow. We progress, Lord willing. Uh, we grow wiser, but we should be consistent, you know? Unless we, like, consistent with the saved version of ourselves. Like, there, there are definitely times when you're repenting and you're turning away from something, and it's like, yo, I'm not saying go back to, through everybody's life and, oh, you said this 10 years ago. You tweeted this 10 years ago. You wrong. No, I'm talking about the things we do as believers, especially as leaders um, and speakers of the word and the truth. We shouldn't be wavering every, every day just because um, something is reported in the news or something becomes um, trendy or whatever it may be, good or bad. Um, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Not just the area that he's being double-minded, but he's unstable in all of his ways. I don't think any of us want to be unstable. You feel me? All right. And so here's the other thing I want to say. Uh, one other point is when I look in the Bible, they did not reject the faith or turn away from Jesus in the toughest moments. And it was actually quite the opposite. In the toughest moments, they needed God the most. And I'm reminded, I mean, off the top of my head, Exodus 14 and like 21, in that area, this is when the, the children of Israel are now free, right? They're free and they're, they're running to freedom. But in the middle of being free, then, then Pharaoh's, Pharaoh has like this heart and heart epiphany of like, no, I changed my mind. I don't want them to be free anymore. And so Pharaoh finds himself now with like 600 chariots and like chasing after the children of Israel to go back to enslave them, right? It's like, man, that don't really make sense. Like God freed them just to have them running from, from, from the person who just freed them, who wants to get them back enslaved. So think of this. If you're the children of Israel, on one side of you is an army, and in front of you is the Red Sea. They are stuck be between a rock and a hard place. And when you look in that moment, they're trying to figure out what to do. And, and, and the crazy thing about, about Moses' staff that God had, had gave him and he had already been carrying was that the Lord basically told him in so many words, like, it's in your hands. Ra like, raise up what I gave you. Raise up your staff, right? And imagine if in that moment Moses would have given up on God. That has to be the toughest moment of, of, of his life up to that point when you free these people. Now you embarrass you sitting like, yo, I, I, I brought them here. And behind you is someone who's trying to kill you. And in front, in front of you is a sea that you can't get through. And, and what I'm saying is that what's harder than that? that that's, that's tough, right? Or, or what about the three Hebrew boys when they're about to get tossed into the fiery furnace? and and the king is like, yo, turn it up seven times hotter. Like, is that the proper time to turn our backs on God? Is that the proper time to say prayer is not enough? Faith is not enough. I'm tired of praying because prayer brought me to a furnace. 
I'm tired of praying because praying brought me to the Red Sea. When is the proper time to lose your faith? Is it when Joseph finds himself in prison? Or was it when his brothers, who, who, who were supposed to love him, tried, they were debating killing him, but they decided to sell him into slavery? Like, no, like, or, or was it, should he have turned away from the faith when he, when he became free from prison and had a high position in the kingdom, second in command, could, you know, could, could almost tell anyone what to do, and then he found himself with his, looking down at his brothers bowing before him, and now they need his help. Is that the time to turn away from the faith? Is that the time to say that I'm tired of praying because praying humiliated me. Praying made me have to be humble before people who tried to kill me and sold me into slavery. Christians, when is the right time to turn away, turn away from your faith? When is the right time to lay down your prayers? Like, like I don't understand that if we believe the word of God, is it when Job had everything taken away from him and he was a righteous man? Like, like, is that the right time to turn away from God? Brothers and sisters in Christ, man, we have example after example in the, in the scriptures. If we're reading them proactively, if we're, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Some of us might be turning to sin because we haven't hidden the word in our hearts. And if it's not in our hearts, then we can't search those scriptures in times of sorrow. I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not saying that everyone falls under that. But I'm telling you what I've seen. I, I've, I've sat back and watched this week, and I've seen some things that are are discouraging, slightly disappointing. Um, I've seen some things, but, let, but let's address them, right? Let's, let's address them. First things first, like I said, I got like five points I want to make, and I don't know if it's literally five or not, but let's just call it five points, right, for now. First things first, we have to accept, let, let's talk about racism, right? We have to accept that racism is real and it's sinful. It's also man-made, okay, because we are really one race. We are the human race. There's much more about us that is alike than is different. What do I mean by that? We judge each other by the one thing that's different about us, which is skin color, right? Or we take nationality and turn nationality into race. That's not the same thing. Nationality, what nation are you from? Race, like. <laughs> What, what race of being are you? Like human being, you get what I'm saying? We're all the same race. We're just different nationalities. It's just like, yo, I'm from Detroit. I'm from Michigan. I'm a, I'm a Detroiter or a Michigander, right? You could be from Texas, California. Uh, you could be from Chicago or New York. Um, and yes, you have a different nation. But being from a different nation doesn't make you a different race. One of the things that we've fallen into as believers of God is we've allowed that to be uh, perpetuated into our minds to where we actually view ourselves as a different race. If you're a different race, let's think about this. Um, let's think about all the things that make you a human being, right? Two eyes, two ears, a mouth, 
You stand straight up, right? You, so we're not like um, a lion or a tiger walking around on our, our fours. Um, we speak the same. We speak the same with, you know, with our mouth. Our brains are, function the same way. We learn languages the same way. Um, we have hair on our heads, different textures of hair, but we have hair on our heads. Um, we have feet. We run. We jump. We clap our hands. Like, there is so much about us. Our heart, every... Like our internally, our organs are structured the exact same way. Our anatomy, our physiology, it's all the same. We reproduce the same. Like there is so much about us that's different, but yet we take one simple thing because that's what's been fed to us all of these years. That's what the enemy does. The enemy, the devil, Satan, the serpent, the serpent who is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet somehow we've allowed ourselves to believe the doctrine of the serpent. We've allowed ourselves to be engraved in our minds that we are a different race. And what's even scarier, which is one of my points, I think it's like point four, is that Jesus came to eliminate these very factors. So I guess I'm, I'm doing two points right now. Like when you look in the word of God, like, you, you had the Jews, but when, when Jesus came, like, he allowed for the Gentiles. So if you want to call it a different race or whatever you want to do, however, a nationality, however you want to, um, um, whatever semantics you want to use, at the end of the day, Jesus Christ came to unite us. I have an episode of this podcast for new listeners. It's called United by Faith. I don't know what episode that is. I'll, I'll figure that out a little later. I think that might be episode six, if I'm not mistaken. United by Faith. We've allowed ourselves, even as Christians, to see ourselves more through our skin color than our faith. But the thing about it is Jesus came with the, as a blood sacrifice. Blood is what makes you family, right? We call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, right? If we are Christians, we are of the same race. Like, we go, if we're going to be in heaven together, that, that's, that's a race of, of spirits, if you want to call it, of people like... That, that is a race. That's a national, what, however you want to categorize it. You get what I'm saying? Like, however you want to chop it up. But I get it. That's not the reality we live in because we live in a fallen world. So, I, so I'm, I have to deal with the reality of the world we live in. But I thought that was worth saying. I thought that was worth saying to my whites, to my blacks, to my Asians, to my Indians, whatever you are. I love it. Look, man, I love you as a brother and sister in Christ. I shouldn't see you differently. I shouldn't not be connected to you the same because we should be united by our faith and our skin color. If it's not going to matter in heaven, you mean to tell me we're going to get to heaven and you're going to be looking at Jesus like, eh, eh, you, when you came to earth as a human being, you was a different nationality as me. So um, I can't rock with you the same. Come on, man. You can love your culture. You can be proud of where you're from, proud of who you are, but, but you got to put it in, in its proper place in perspective. And that's not a popular thing to say because most people, if I'm being real, don't really want to do that on every side. This ain't attacking no particular person. I'm speaking to the principles and the belief systems of everyone because we all allow ourselves to do it. And we're constantly separating ourselves. I don't want to be I don't want to separate myself from the believers in Christ Jesus, because in the end, in the end, we will be united by faith. But racism in this world is real. It's a real thing. You know, and it's tough, right? 
And, and let me let me tell y'all something just about me in general. Like, and, and I said this in my um in my statement. There's a difference between unity and groupthink. Okay. I believe in unity, right? Unity to me is when you get people with a common goal and a and a common belief that come together for a greater cause. Groupthink is is when you force people to believe whatever the group believes. That's not unity. <laughs> That's not groupthink isn't unity. Unity is, look, if you want to convince me of something, don't try to force me to believe it. Present a compelling argument, right? Well, we live in a society where, you know, that, that's why I ended my statement with there's more than one way to be black. Guess what? I don't believe all black people think the same. I don't believe all white people or all Asians think exactly the same. But we've allowed that to be perpetuated into our minds, and that, to me, is anti-freedom. The whole point was, Okay, you had people who were enslaved, blacks when they were enslaved, or even in the civil rights era where blacks didn't have the rights, they didn't have the freedom to be different. It was like, nope, if you're black, you are all at this level. If you're black, you will all be at this level of education. If you're black, this, this, and this. And hey, if you're white, you could go here. Like, when you throw everybody into the same category and make it seem like all of our strengths or weaknesses are based on our skin color, to me, that is a huge mistake for the believer. Keep in mind, I'm talking to the Christians today. If you're not a Christian, I welcome you into this conversation to, to listen and to even give feedback. Email me, JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. Check me out at InspireGuysPeople.com. You can listen to everything, but I'm telling you who this is targeted at, right? I'm not here to try to create a doctrine uh, or a belief to, to scratch itching ears today. I'm talking to the people that say they love God regardless of what color you are. And so, yes, race is a real issue. But freedom, like freedom, I'm free to think on my own. That's what they fought for. I'm free to vote for whoever I vote for. Don't tell me if I don't vote for you, I'm not black. You don't have the right to tell me that because I am not your slave. But yet we have people who are celebrating these type of things today. Celebrating loss of freedom, man. But this is what they fought for. Listen, they didn't fight for us to be free from slavery, to have groupthink, and now have to all believe the exact same way, the exact same thing. They fought for you to have the freedom to be rich, freedom to be poor, freedom to be a believer, freedom to be an atheist, freedom to go left, freedom to go right. We have the freedom to do it, and even God gives us that freedom. He does not force everyone to be a believer. It, God didn't stop the world when atheists came in. He didn't stop the world when, when there were idols in the Bible. No, he just rose up leaders of his own. So to anybody out there, you know, who doesn't, and, I, and I've seen it, right? There, there are people out there who, who don't want don't to accept or believe that racism is a real thing. To me, if you don't believe in racism, then you, to, you almost can't believe in sin. Because if sin is a real thing, and, and just like there are a bunch of other sins that people can create up in their mind and think up something, a uh, 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 creative evil, and go out and perform that sin, then why couldn't someone come up with the idea of being prejudiced or racist? No, we're, it, it's real. And, I, and I'm telling you this as Christians. As Christians, we can't live in the false reality that this isn't happening because it is happening, right? And that's something. I like to deal with both sides, y'all. 
I'm not a one-sided person. I'm not a one-trick pony. I will not be forced to groupthink. I will not, whether you're white or whether you're black, I'm sorry, I love you, God bless you, and thank you for listening, but you will not force me to think a certain way. I have to look at things, and I have the freedom to think through them for myself, led by Christ Jesus. I have the freedom to align something next to the Word of God and try to figure it out. And I also understand that I'm not always right. Everything that I say doesn't mean that it's 100% right. You get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be right. Like, if, if you're listening today, because these are the type of issues that make people not listen to you again or make you mad. Understand, I'm not trying to be right, but I'm trying to be truthful. This is our reality. So you have to understand that it's a real issue. Because if you tell yourself it's not a real issue, then you're minimizing the impact of it. And you're minimizing. And, and look, I don't want to get into a bunch of examples that have happened to me. But I'm telling you, man, I've been in some odd situations. I mean, very odd situations, minding my business, doing things, and, and have had racism knock at my front door, prejudice knock at my front door. And then I'm going to be honest. Then there are other times when I don't really know if it's racism or not. Because I'm like, dang, this could just be an evil person. Like, so sometimes you really don't know. You like, yo, but if I'm looking, the, the only thing that separates me from everybody else in this room is, is one thing. And so, again, that's what's been put into our minds. So you can't help if you've experienced any type of injustice on any level to think it sometimes. But then let me say this before I move on. There are also those, understand, who will always abuse things. It, just like unemployment, you have unemployment come out, there, there have to be laws in place because there are people who abuse those privileges and they will, they will claim unemployment even if they got a job or e even if they don't need the money, like they'll still make that claim. It's the same thing. It's people that claim racism and it's not racism, but that doesn't mean that racism isn't real and you can't put everyone into the same box. Like, please don't put everyone into the same box. All right, here's my second point. Man, I don't even think I'm going to make it through five points, to be honest. I didn't intend for this to even be this long. My second point is we grieve differently. So one of the things that I'm seeing on social media is a pressure for people to, you know, join this cause and, and things like that. And, look, I, gotta, I have to be honest. Like, well, we grieve differently. Uh, you know, you can't force me to react on social media the way that you're acting. Just because you're acting that way doesn't necessarily make it right. And, you know, I feel that vice versa too. I haven't forced my feelings and opinions on people to make you act or feel how I feel. Like, that, that's just not something that I believe. Like, I don't, I don't think I could force you to do that. But, but let's deal with both sides of that, okay? So let's deal with first th this idea of I'm seeing a lot of people who say like I've seen this, for, for instance, black people say to their white friends, yo, I, I see my white friends. I see the ones who are talking, but I also see the ones who are silent. And if you silent right now, I ain't trying to mess with you. Like I've seen that consistently. Like I've seen that a lot. Right. I think it's two sides to that. First, let's try to understand what's driving that way of thought what they mean by that. So here's what they mean, right? 
um, and I, I can understand it on one level. Let's say you're a white Christian or a pastor or whatever, right? And you speak out against things. Oh, uh, animal brutality. You know, you, you hated Mike Vick. And I'm just being hypothetical. I know that was a long time ago. But Mike Vick killed a, a couple hundred pit bulls and you lost your mind and you, you spoke out, right? And uh, you, you, was, you was out there protesting with PETA. And like, then, then something else happens that, um, th that is not relate, related to, to racial injustice. And you are, I mean, you are speaking out about it, right? Uh, when the, the lockdowns happen and you want to speak out against freedoms, you went out there and you protested for gun rights. You went out there and you protested, right? What they're saying is then this happens and I don't see a peep from you. But you always speak up when you see something wrong. And so for, for my white followers out there, you know, and, and I know I have those. Like, I know I have a lot of white followers, a lot of black, because this show is really about being united by faith. But for my white followers, I want to give you all an opportunity to have a peek behind the curtain to understand. And, and don't, don't, don't feel bad. I'm not about to bash you. And, and there's a side I got for my, for my black brothers and sisters as well, um, where, where I think there, there needs to be some revision to the way that we are presenting that, that argument. But, but for my white brothers and sisters, like, like, let's deal with that first. What they're saying is, I see you passionately speaking about things that clearly matter to you, right? And when you're silent on a wrongful death of someone that seems to be the consistent thing, and at least in the ones that are shared, seems to be, yo, this person is only being treated this way because they're looked down upon because they're black, right? If you're not going to speak on that, then now I feel I must be less of a human to you. Because when a dog was killed, you spoke up. So what you're saying with your silence can, can communicate to me that I'm less than a dog in your eyes. And I'm just telling you that's something that black people take very seriously. Um, and, and the reason is because we, we are constantly fighting the stigma and, and the stereotype that, that we are less than, right? And so when we finally, we, we build ourselves up, you get to whatever level you at in your life and, and, and you start tearing down those walls and you start building relationships outside of your quote unquote race or nationality, and, and you finally start building relationships out of your neighborhood and, and you feel like something, like you feel like, yes, like we're, we're, we may be different culturally, but we're growing it feels like a setback to them, to us, when you speak on those things and then are almost purposely silent on something else. Let me give you this example. I've heard Christian talk, so, talk show hosts, you know, in these topics through the years, right? You get Trayvon Martin and the one that really sticks out to me, not to minimize any of the other ones, but one of the most heartbreaking ones to me was Tamir Rice, right? And I remember I'm listening to a Christian uh, talk show and, you know, when Trayvon's situation happened, you know, there was some legal things and they start calling out the laws and, okay, they start making these arguments. Then, you know, you, you had a Michael Brown and all these other situations of these people, these black individuals who were, who were, who were murdered. And, and I'm like, okay, it's a white Christian talk show host. And in and, and, and every situation, you're siding with uh, against the black person 
in every situation is case by case. There are different technicalities in each case, right? But I'm going to tell you what made me turn off a particular radio station. It's when Tamir Rice, the young boy, was murdered. And I watched, man, and, I, and again, I don't watch all these things. But I did watch. This is the only one that I watched from beginning to end. It was long. I don't know if it was eight to ten minutes. I don't know what it was. I don't remember. A couple years ago. But this young boy was out, and he was at the park by himself, playing with a toy gun. Police officers pulled up and murdered that young man within like two to three seconds. This was in Ohio. When I heard Christians calling into the radio station, and they were not siding with the little boy. When I heard Christians, a Christian talk show host, side with the authorities and make excuses, things like, well, he shouldn't have been playing with a gun that looked real. Like, like, come on, y'all. Come on. This is an 11-year-old boy outside playing with a toy gun. Come on. Now, I have white friends who, who 11 and 12-year-olds can hunt. They go out with real guns. <laughs> I mean, come on. Those are the things y'all have to understand. We got to look at both sides and we have to be fair. Those are the things that trigger people emotionally. And when a, when a person has been through a lot, a lot of traumatic experiences and, and things like that, and, and when you're not willing to stand up for something obvious, like there are some clear wins, right? I think in this situation, in the George Floyd situation, God rest his soul, you know, I don't know what happens in the video before. I, I don't know all that. I know it's like seven or eight minutes. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched some of it. But based on everything I've read, there, there, se there seems to be no argument around the fact that this police officer had his knee on his neck for like seven to eight minutes, right? Now, you tell me. I, I've seen articles written that tried to justify, oh, he didn't die because of the strangulation. And to me, these are things that they're preparing for court. These are arguments to be made in court. Technicalities, if you will. But here's the thing as believers in, in Christ Jesus, right? We don't need a technicality to tell us that if you have your neck on a man, if you have your knee on a man's neck and he's saying he can't breathe, that it's time to lift up that knee, right? Because what if that was, and this is how black people feel. What if it was an 18-year-old black, uh, a white kid? What if it was a 25-year-old white guy? And a lot of times what happens, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, is black people, we feel like, other, other nationalities are, are throwing us all in one box and saying, oh, you dress like this or you look like this, you a thug. While other people have the freedom, they have the freedom to become white collar, blue collar, middle class, upper class, lower class. Like, you have the freedom to be different things. That is one of the main struggles that black people go through. I know that I go through. It's when people want to box you into only... It's almost like you're guilty and have to prove that you're innocent. You're a threat and you have to prove to me that you're not a threat. But my first thought of you is that you're a threat. And the problem with that is it doesn't give us the freedom. Like, it, it doesn't give me the opportunity. Here's the example. You know, if when, when a white person commits a crime, uh, you, you might have something weird, like a Unabomber, right? Let's say the Unabomber had on a plaid shirt. I don't, I don't then go out and see every person in a plaid shirt and say, oh, he looked like the Unabomber. So the same way, if you see a black guy that, that robbed somebody because he had on baggy jeans, well, not baggy jeans no more. They're wearing skinny jeans that look like they painted on. But you know the, the stereotype in the 90s, baggy jeans and, and a, a snapback hat or whatever. 
And you think everyone that wears that, it means it's like a uniform. We don't all work at Wendy's. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you go to Wendy's, they all got on the same shirt. It means they all work there. Like, black people, we don't have a black uniform just like white people don't have a white uniform. If a white person wears a plaid shirt and commit a crime, we don't automatically assume as America that you being white and dressing like that means that you're going to blow up a building, right? So that's the cry, right? That, I, I hope y'all can understand where I'm coming from. The cry of black people is like, give us the opportunity to be different. Don't mistake cultural relevancy for like character relevancy. What do I mean by that? I come on this show every week. It's called Inspire Guys People. I love white people. I love blacks. I love Asians. I love Indians. I love all people. And, and I'm united with people by faith. I want to build relationships with people of different nationalities who share the same faith as me, right? But that doesn't mean because we share the same faith that I'm going to start dressing like you. Like, here's the reality. I, I'm culturally, I'm from Detroit. Like, there's a way that I might dress. That should not be a threat to you. It doesn't make me less of a believer. Just like me being a Christian rapper versus you being a Christian singer doesn't make me less of a Christian. And those are some of the stereotypes that exist as well, even within the black community. Rappers, who people who rap in church are viewed differently than people who sing in church. And I've had to fight those stereotypes. So stereotypes could be cut up a hundred different ways. It's not just a nationality or race thing, but for a purpose of what we're talking about today, I wanted to throw that out there. My overall point with bringing that up, the real point was we grieve differently. So now to on the other side, right, to defend some of the um, my, my white brothers and sisters who might be silent, right, and might be feeling the pressure just to speak up, let me speak to that a little bit. Um, for, for my black people who are just telling people they got to speak, well, I understand it in the situations where people have spoken about everything. But let's say I'm a person who never took to social media to tackle controversial or social issues. I never speak about gun rights or pet rights or upper class, middle class, Democrat, Republican. I don't think that we could just automatically force that person to have to express themselves like you. Uh, when you go to a funeral, right? I didn't cry at my grandfather's funeral. Um, it wasn't because I didn't love him. I think about him all the time. It was literally because I was grieving differently in that moment based on a conversation that I had with him when he was first diagnosed with cancer. I went to see him at his house when, when I first found out he was diagnosed with cancer, and he said something to me. It was just my grandmother, myself, him and my wife there on the couch. And he said to me, I, I asked him something to the extent of is he scared or how he feels, and he says, I'm not scared. He said, I'm to the point that if it's my time to go, I'm ready to go be with the Lord, right? So that caused me to grieve and like, I'm more of a thinker anyway, right? So I'm not sure that I would have cried to start off with, but I can be a little emotional, right? But the thing is, you, if, you, if you try to judge me by looking at me, if you're at that funeral crying and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm crying because granddaddy died. How you go, why you not crying? You need, to be, you need to be doing what I'm doing. No, I don't. You don't have the perspective that I have. Remember, I said with much wisdom comes much grief. I had the knowledge and the wisdom to understand he shared something with me before he passed. He shared with me before he was even real sick that he wasn't scared. 
So I had a different perspective than you have. So therefore, I can't necessarily grieve like you. Now I'm talking, this is beyond race because there are also black people who are telling other black people that they have to speak, they have to do something. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, I grieve differently. I can be outraged, but I also understand that social media is not really the best platform to have difficult conversations, which is part of the reason why I have this show. It, we have a segment on this show for my new listeners. It's called Let's Get Social. You know the, the entire purpose of Let's Get Social? It was literally created because I got tired of trying to explain um, generic statements on social media. So if I make a blank, blanket statement and say, it's uh, never turn your back on God, uh, always keep the faith. And then somebody jump on there and be like, well, you don't understand. I lost this. And it's like, well, that, that's not what I was saying. So I created Let's Get Social so we could go more in depth with conversations and talk through things better. So like somebody like me, I don't utilize social media to like just argue and debate all day. Number one, it's draining. Number two, I'm very busy and I literally don't have time. And I'm not joking when I say I literally don't have time. Number three, I don't know what it really solves. I don't know what it really does. It doesn't ever really end anywhere well um, other than just people expressing themselves and a lot of times irrationally expressing themselves, which also has psychological effects and all these other things that are happening. But maybe that white person doesn't know what to say. Maybe they are grieved, but they feel a little pressure as a white person of like, well, I don't know what to say. Look, I'm just being real. I'm black and I don't know what to say because people mad at everything. So I'm like, bro, if you say you like chocolate ice cream, they hate you. You say you like vanilla ice cream, they hate you. Like there's almost no right thing to say. And so my point at the end of the day is, let's before we just try to bully people into talking. Matter of fact, what if that person has never been good with their words? What if they've never been good with expressing themselves, right? And then they get out and try to say something, another general or blanket statement on social media, and then it actually creates a domino effect of negativity. And because they tried to say something that they perceived to be good, and then somebody got mad at them or screenshotted their stuff and shared it with the world and made them look bad, now they have to deal with the psychological and emotional impact of, oh, my God, I'm being presented as someone who doesn't care when I really do. Like, listen, we can't judge people's heart. That's the reality of it. Some white people might not know what to say. Some people might be scared to talk, uncomfortable. But one thing's for sure. I've seen a, I've seen a lot of white people at these events, and I'm not even going to get into these. I'm not even going there, okay? I'm, I'm staying away from that. All right, so let's move on from that. I at least want to share. This is the last thing I'll share, okay? My last point, and I'm done. Um, for the record, this was supposed to be like a 15 to 20-minute um, episode of just kind of... <laughs> it wasn't even supposed to be a real episode, but I think I'm going to make it a real episode. Episode 77, I think I'm going to do that. Um, I, I originally wasn't planning to, but we're going to do it. it. It's too long not to be a real show. Here's the last thing I want to talk about. Um, being proactive versus reactive. Now, this is, you know, one of those things where if you've been listening to this show, like, you already know. Um, I've been talking about this really from the beginning, um, this idea of, yo, we have to be proactive. Um, and I've done a lot of different shows. And so I, I want to spend a couple minutes before I go. And this is just for anybody out there who's like, again, 
I respect you if you disagree with me. I don't think I have, I don't think this show is just, oh, this is the absolute best response for blacks and whites and everyone in between. And I am the poster child for how to have this conversation. No, it's a difficult conversation. It almost 100% is going to make someone uncomfortable, right? Hopefully you can feel my intention in my heart and know that whether you white or black or whatever, my intention in talking about this thing is to bring us closer together to be united by faith, not to attack any side of the coin, not to attack Democrats or Republicans or blacks or whites or Chinese or Asian, whatever. Like, that's not what I'm about. I'm about being united by faith. But I've been about that, though. This is, this is the consistency, right? So one of the things I'm going to do, I'm actually going to scroll through. This is for people who feel like, yo, no, nah, Jay, you got to speak on this. You got to. All right. L let me say a couple of things to God, to you guys. Um, I think it's important. Uh, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people um, who brought up this point. Um, and I think it's a legitimate point. People don't want you. It's kind of like they don't want you to deflect in this conversation. And I could feel that. Like, so people don't want. Like, yo, we talking about injustice for black people, and then now you want to bring up um, abortion, right? Like, so people feel offended when they feel like you're deflecting the conversation. I can understand that point, but I also want to make a point for the other side, right? Because I believe in balance and understanding where both people are coming from. On the flip side, not every time that I, a person brings up another topic are they deflecting, but they actually could be bringing perspective, okay? I'm not trying to deflect, but what I'm trying to communicate um, in all love and respect is I've been talking about this stuff. So, so I, now I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing my heart with y'all right now. Like, if, if you followed this show, I did a show called Marketing is Mind Control. I think that was episode 34, if I'm not mistaken. I've did a lot of shows about a lot of topics proactively. And I told y'all when I started this show, this show is not a, a news headline. I never do episodes like I'm doing now, right? Ever. I don't. And I, hopefully this ain't a mistake that I look back and be like, I shouldn't have did that. But, but I believe there's some perspective to this. I don't believe in reacting to everything because when you react, you don't always, you're not sober minded. I can't trust my emotions, but I also believe that God has given me foresight. God gives us as believers foresight through his word. I'm not just saying that's exclusive to me. I'm saying that when you're reading the word of God, it's a sign of things to come. And if I believe that, I don't need the news to tell me which issues are actually important issues. Actually, if I'm a believer and I'm, and I'm following Christ, I may find myself in situations where where I, I talked about something way before other people addressed it. But when I was talking about it, because it wasn't in the news, no one cared. And that's what happens, right? When you do episodes like this, um, I mean, now, first of all, thank you guys for listening and thank God. I can't complain about support. That's not, I can't complain about supporting listeners because thousands of people listen to this show and we're in over 20 countries every single month, right? So, I appreciate everyone who, who's listening. Like, matter of fact, like, India and Australia was two of the top countries this month. Behind the U.S. U.S. is number one for sure. But my point is, like, I, when, when I was talking about this issue, I can't help it if I talked about it and tried to bring it to the table as something serious six months ago. But because it wasn't in the news, it wasn't important to everyone. 
And then now that it's in the news, remember when I said I've been talking about financial literacy to people since 2012? That's something literally people in my family, you know this. I've been talking about save your money. Do this. Be prepared when something happens. And then what happens? A pandemic or a recession. And then people start thinking about money. And I'm like, whoa, congratulations. But you also could have took it serious eight years ago and been better prepared now. Remember I said with much wisdom comes much grief. This is the thing. Sometimes with wisdom, you're grieving before something happens because you see the direction that it's going in. And you also see it as a bigger picture from what the news is presenting. So I have breaking news for y'all right now. I haven't watched the news this year. As a matter of fact, I watched the news for the first time on Facebook two days ago because it was like midnight and one of my homeboys texted me and said in a group chat, yo, y'all see that they rioting downtown in our city or protesting. It was a little bit of both, to be honest. And so I looked at the news for two minutes on Facebook and saw what was going on. At least I saw one perspective of what was going on. But other than that, through the pandemic, nope, don't watch the news. Why? Because I, I watch the good news. I read the Bible. I already see where this stuff is going. Like, sometimes news isn't really news. It's not new. It, it literally, like, it's an election year. Here's the other issue. I talked to y'all in marketing is mind control. It is to a lot of people's advantage to take real issues like racial injustice, which is a real issue, right? We established that. Just because something is real doesn't mean it can't be manipulated. So it is in, to people's advantage and benefit, in politics especially, in an election year on both sides. I'm not taking a side here. But what I'm here to tell you is that both sides benefit from division. Why? Let me paint this picture. If you are united, right, and you're not hating a Democrat and you're not hating a Republican or you're not hating a white and you're not hating a black, I'm not really sure which way you may vote if you're not hateful. If you're not like, oh, I need you outraged so you can take a stance. Remember Joe Biden said recently, like, um, all these politicians say crazy stuff to me, so I have no allegiance here. But Joe Biden with this whole, if you ain't black, like, you, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's to cause a separation. That's to cause a clear indicator of, yo, I want the black vote. I need the black vote. And now I want to force you into group thinking to categorize you that if you don't do this, you're not that. Same thing on the side, of, on, the, on the Republican and the white side or the black, whatever, whoever you are, it's the same thing. They want you to be categorized and viewed as a certain way. So the way I see some of this stuff, is a lot of people will benefit if we hate each other. There are a lot of people that need us to choose a side. Now, I understand, like, don't be hot or cold. We talking about the Bible. We talking about biblical. I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. If we being real, some of us don't even make that serious of a stance in our faith as we do in our politics. It's an election year, guys. The manipulation isn't going to stop there. It's just, it's just something that happens. I, I've said this to my friends behind the scenes like months ago. Like, uh-oh, it's an election year. There always seems to be things brought to the forefront to keep us divided because our votes are divided. They don't need you to be independent. They don't need you to be libertarian, whatever. They need you to vote Democrat or Republican so that they can get the candidate that they want in office. And I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't vote either. That's not my position. But my position is be aware of the people 
who benefit from manipulating you with the truth. Now, here's how what I want to do. I'm just going to go through a couple of episode titles for my new listeners. I'm going to throw out a couple of episodes for you to go back and listen to, tell you the date that we talked about that issue, and just let you know that proactivity is offense. I'm not a person that believes in playing defense all day. I can't do shows like this every week. It takes a lot, and it, it's too divisive. I'm not a person that looks for opportunities to divide. I'm a person that looks for opportunities to unite. And what that means is that if, if I notice something about me and you that's different, but I notice something about me and you that's the same, I'm going to start and lead with the thing that we have in common, regardless of what our differences are, in hopes of maybe discussing our differences at a later date or discussing our differences in the proper tone and the proper way, in a way in which we'll both listen to each other versus tuning each other out, um, basically saying, if you don't think like me, I'm unfollowing you. If you don't like what I like, I like I, I can't do that. We so so all right, first things first. I think it was episode one. I don't know if it was one or two, but we talked about um how to disagree. Like and and the fact that people struggle to disagree. We don't know how to disagree with each other. Um, so that's something we talked about. But anyway, let's go through some of these episodes. Let's see if I got something that sticks out. Um, we talked about um in episode 3.5, it was called Who Are You? Um, and we actually talked about the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I actually pre preached Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in episode 3.5 back in November 2018. And this was that thing, and, and I think this can, this can kind of be related a little bit to the racial injustice because Rudolph had the red nose, right? Like, he was different. And a lot of what this really comes off like is if, if, if I'm a minority and I'm in a room uh, full of uh, the majority, and it's like, yo, like, I have a red nose. And there are people who won't let you join in the reindeer games. And it's like, yo, like, well, if I can't join in the reindeer games, I can't better myself, which affects my generations and keeps the keep the gap where it is. Um, but at the end of the day, we talked about that with Rudolph. Um, episode, ooh, this was like episode five, I think. December 5th, 2018. It was called Faith, Not Magic. And um, this was a really great um, conversation and, and the importance of faith, right? And God doesn't work in magic. And when you think about the issues that are going on now, some people are like, hey, why does God allow this? Or why does God allow that? We've talked about a lot of those things. And I it, look, even if you've heard them, I, I, I really encourage you to go back and listen again. Episode six, baby, that's the one right here. United by faith. Like, man, this, this is an important one that I think indirectly relates to the topic that we're talking about now. Ooh, episode 6.5, December 26, 2018. It was entitled, Happy Without God. Now, look, notice in my statement when I started this off, I said, I think it's a huge mistake to think that we can solve these issues without God. I think it's a huge mistake to take Jesus out of the equation right now. But we talk about that, happy without God. Um, man, sin has a baby, episode eight in January 16th. Sin has a baby. And I think, again, you're talking about how sin reproduces sin. I think that's something that we have to uh, think about. Oh, man, here we go right here. Episode 9.5, February 6, 2019, is called Fear, Race, and temptation. Listen, fear, race, 
in temptation. So again, this isn't <laughs> a lot of this stuff. It, it, look, we've we've talked about things, and this is why I talk about things proactively, so that when they happen, we can already uh, be ready. Oh, here's a good one. Episode thirteen, March thirteenth, twenty nineteen. It's called lusting after leadership. I think this is important now because there are so many people that are just infatuated on every side, white, black, brown, whatever you are. There are so many people who just are lusting after the, after the idea to be a leader. I want to be the, like, like it, it's a lust thing because they're not necessarily called to leadership and they're not necessarily um, having leadership with integrity, but they're willing to manipulate any opportunity to become a leader. Uh, create a photo op out of anything to present themselves as a leader. Lusting after leadership, man. Uh, episode 17 was called Preparing for Purpose. Ooh, I like this one. Episode 18, April 17, 2019. It was called Control Your Climate, 75 and Sunny. We were talking about controlling your climate, and I'm a person that believes that, look, I'm in control of me by the grace of God. I'm not your slave. I'm not going to be bullied around by white people or black people. You're not going to force me to tell me that I got to think this way because I'm black or I got to think this way because whatever, whatever it may be. No, you got to present a compelling argument and I'll decide if I agree or disagree. Just like y'all have the right right now to disagree with certain points that I'm making. And I don't hate you for it. It's not the end of the world. I'm not about to argue with you about it. That's just not my style. But I'm not mad at you. Control your climate, right? It's your right to do that. Um, I think episode 22 is a good one. Five things about leadership. We need to be listening to that now as we choose leaders and follow leaders um, during this time right here. Um, oh, I like this. Episode 24, uh, May 29th, 2019, the still small voice. Sometimes we need to not be following the loudest voice in the room, but sometimes it's the still small voice that is actually the one that is the Lord. Um, man, episode 27. Social media, depression, and grace. Wow. And then episode 28, abortion, solving God problems. Again, these are things that are important all the time. And I'm just, I'm just going through this so that people can know you can't force me to react how you're reacting just because you're now deciding to react this way or because the news decides to highlight a certain issue because what happens when the news isn't highlighting it, right? What happens when the news isn't focused on it? I got a friend of mine, Doug, he's been on the show. He goes to abortion clinics, you know, all the time. He's been doing it for a while now. And they're outside of the abortion clinics, preaching to people, saving some lives. Um, you could call it a protest against the abortion clinics, a peaceful protest. And you know what? Nobody, nobody's outraged. Nobody's... Like, again, but because the news doesn't allow for that. Here's my closing thought. It's important for us as believers to make sure that whatever we believe, the, the tone is set by the word of God. If you allow yourself to become a victim of media and groupthink, what's going to happen is you will be out of control. You won't have any real control because I have breaking news for you Christians. The media doesn't decide what's important based on the word of God. What that means is something like abortion that murders millions of people, um, just like racial injustice is wrong, abortion is wrong. I'm not putting, I'm not deferring and saying one thing is more important than another. I'm actually saying that it's all important. But you also, on the flip side, we can't say 
And we do this indirectly with our actions. We almost say that racial injustice is the most important thing in the world and is more important than abortion. And I don't think that's right either. I don't think it's right to make people feel a certain way because they haven't gone behind your issue. Maybe your issue is your issue, just like Doug is out um, in the abortion clinic. What if he came out to all believers condemning them and saying, if you're a believer and you're not going to say anything when Planned Parenthood was caught selling dead baby body parts, then I don't want to hear nothing from you. And again, this isn't to defer, but to bring perspective to the other side. But I also do believe as believers, we cannot ignore racial injustice. We cannot act like uh, we're going to have churches that are filled with all nationalities and all people and that we are for being um, inhumane, treating a certain group of people inhumane. And that's whether you white, black or whatever you are. I don't think that the goal as the believer should be to separate. Here's the thing, though. Let's build a bridge in order for us to be united. We can't go down, go around tearing down bridges. We need to find a way to build a bridge. Regardless of your color, regardless of your nation, you know, I'm looking to build a bridge with other believers in Christ Jesus and opportunities to talk and hear each other out and also understand that you may be from a different part of the world or a different culture than me, and we may not understand each other just by looking at each other. But let's build a bridge as Christians and be able to openly and truthfully talk about things. And also, guess what? Just like we've talked about on this show, let's learn how to disagree. But let's keep in mind, if we're going to disagree, that we're not disagreeing on something that's an essential part of Christianity. Something as simple as loving your neighbor as yourself. We shouldn't be disagreeing on those type of things. But look, I love y'all. I... I created this song last year. It's called Still the Same. This song, I think, is perfect for this moment because regardless of who you are, we are still the same, meaning we all have the same opportunity to turn away from our sins and accept Jesus Christ. When it comes to Jesus, we're the same. So it doesn't matter if you're white and you have you know, lived a dark life and, and you've committed sins. You can repent and accept Jesus. If you're black and you've lived a dark life and committed sins, you can repent and accept Jesus Christ. I know the world is focusing on everything that makes us different, but today I want you to focus on what makes us the same. There is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We still the same from the east, we from the west, we still the same. Black, white, every shade, still the same Upper class, lower class, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same Black, white, that's right, still the same Republican, Democrat, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same Tell me how you hate me, you don't even know my name had me figured out before I ever said a thing I look like someone that you knew way back in the day So you won't get to know me cause you think that we're the same What makes you different? Are you made in this image? Are you saved by the Christ through repentance? Do you know that he died on the cross? It was there that he said it was finished But you don't like this cause you think I'm self-righteous And I don't like that you don't like this cause you're just like this Still the same I'm from the east, you from the west, we still the same 
Black, white, every shade still the same Upper class, lower class, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same Black, white, that's right, still the same Republican, Democrat, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same uh. If you broke, if you paid, nothing changes but the change You feel lost when you lose, you feel saved when you save Salvation ain't a feeling Jesus didn't die to make a killing He died to make a living With love for us, it was for us to usher into heaven We don't love them back, so we turn our backs We rather resent than repent So we choose hell over heaven Now we sentimental to the sinner's mental That's not the same I'm from the east, you from the west, we still the same Black, white, every shade, still the same Upper class, lower class, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same Black, white, that's right, still the same Republican, Democrat, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I know we hate each other, probably cause we ain't each other So we fake and say we brothers, I wanna be you Cause your grass looks green, and you wanna be me Cause my grass green too, we're still the same Why do we complain, even when we're different we the same Hatred has become our entertainment, internet exposing inner racist When the saints go marching in, I wanna be in that arrangement That's why I repent in Jesus name When it comes to heaven, we're the same